Hello. We're back. We're back. We're back. Welcome to another episode, episode three mm-hmm. of the Attic Podcast. It's good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming back. We appreciate it. And today, Negs has chosen the topic. Yeah, I want to talk about free speech because it seems to be a you know a hot topic lately. Not the place where you get the you know, the emo shit, but it's a hot topic because everybody wants, everybody wants to have free speech until somebody else's free speech encroaches on their feelings. And what led me to pick this topic today was the fact that we witnessed a creator by the name of Miss fucking wonderful MFW, <clears throat> Katie Roby, as some of you will know her, uh, lay out a, uh, violent threat, a direct violent threat to somebody. And that's what brought this up is like, is that freedom of speech? And sure. Yeah. She has, she has the right to say that, but she doesn't have freedom from consequences. Correct. Now I am very, very attached to the first amendment because of what I did for 30 years, how I made a living for 30 years. No other country has a first amendment like ours. None. And the First Amendment is an amazing gift that was given to us by uh, individuals who are disparagingly referred to as a bunch of old white men. Well, they knew a thing or two. Uh, And giving us a First Amendment was amazingly advanced for the time. The First Amendment enshrines certain rights, uh, not just freedom of speech, but also freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, being able to petition the government. So uh, let me just make sure that I got all of those. Um, if I forget one, then so be it. I always forget something. Let's see. It's, all, it's speech, press, assembly, religion, and petitioning the government. So there are five rights that are enshrined in the First Amendment. Um, obviously, when we're talking about social media, we are talking about private companies and they can decide uh, what kind of speech codes they enforce on their users. However, uh, in general, is that sort of speech protected? Are threats protected? I are, are they protected? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look. Okay, so these are, there are certain types of speech that are restricted. Uh, including uh, defamation is not a protected class of speech. Uh, Imitating currency is not a protected form of speech. You are not permitted to lie under oath. And the issue of fighting words is also a hotly contested topic. Now, um, is, but is that threat protected? That is a very, very good question. I would say that Indiana law probably says, no, it is not. <laughs> you would be correct. <laughs> you would be correct. Actually, what um, what had happened is uh, this individual MFW had uh, what in our state, what they would call intimidation. Um, and if it caused that individual to feel any kind of way about it, like unsafe, then it's she did commit a crime. So you could say whatever you want. The government is it going to stop you from saying it? But that doesn't mean that there aren't laws in place to protect other people from prevent. Cause like, can you imagine a world where everybody just went around in great detail, told you how they were going to end you <laughs> every day. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. The same reason, like 
uh, when it comes to freedom of speech on these platforms. So let's just take uh, Foodie Beauty, for example. She's a hot target. Everybody, there's so many channels around her. Um, within terms of service, that's a no-no. You can't do that. But um, that's a terms of service. The government's not going to come in and say, quit talking about this person every day. But the company can. Um, and then when you gravitate over to uh, Frenchie making these threats about calling uh, immigration and whatnot, I don't know what Canadian laws are, but that sounds mm -hmm. like harassment and intimidation mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to quickly run down uh, forms of speech that are not covered by the First Amendment. Obscenity, fraud, child pornography, speech integral to illegal conduct. So here we have an example speech that incites imminent lawless action, speech that violates intellectual property law, true threats, um, and then any sort of commercial infringement. So that would mean copyright infringement. That is not protected. Yeah. You know, I think I think every single reactor is guilty of that, you know, because uh, essentially some of these channels are just uh, intellectual property theft through and through. Well, that's when you get fair use involved, and fair use is very case by case. Uh, let, let's talk about fair use for a second. Mm -hmm. um, there, it, within fair use, it states that you can't profit from what you're doing in order for it to qualify for fair use. Where does it say that? I read that. It's what I read, I, unless somebody gave me a a uh, edited version of it. But that's what I read. Is it had to be educational. You, you couldn't profit from somebody else's work but you could use it for educational purposes and informational purposes. Okay. I don't think that that's correct because if you look at the H3H3 case, uh, there were two cases. H3H3 was one, and I wish that I could remember the other one. Um, but basically it's a question of whether you transform the original content. So that means uh, in terms of parody, um, and, and such, but H3H3 profited off of the content that they used from that other creator. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really a question of how much of it you use and how much of it you transform. So in other words, if you just have a channel where you upload somebody else's content with no change, like what, uh, what what's your name does to you? Mango. Mango Jones. Yes. Mango she, Jones. Yes. yes. That that is that is an interesting question. I wonder if you struck her, if you would have a leg to stand on, if you could get the money that she's made off of those oh, uploads. Probably not off through YouTube. Because there is no transformational value whatsoever no. to what she's done. No, she uh, could probably lose her cash app since it's attached to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't make money off of my content. Like, oh, I'm painstakingly uploading right. this person's. I'm painstakingly pirating Lord of the Rings. Please pay me. No, right. I can't do that. And there was also a channel called Hamber Collective. It was called Hamber, H-X-M-B-E-R. And they used to just put together playlists of Amberlynn Reed's content. And they would run it for days you know, one after the other, after the other, sometimes on a long weekend, you could start watching on Thursday night and you would finish up on Monday night. And that's all that they would do is just completely rerun her content. No transformational value, no nothing, just uploading. That is theft. That is content theft. There's no question about it. What AK said, it's really, it does fall down to the judge. And, and if you want to take it, the like, that's the biggest problem with, especially with YouTube is, is when you're messing around with all of us peasants down here in the muck, right? Is that we don't have 
legal team money and access like well that's what it comes down to right like adidas or nike or lego or nintendo does mm -hmm. they could snap their fingers and spend a hundred grand to shut you down for making four dollars and fifty cents right so right but uh nobody has the the finances to take it through to court but yeah it is up to the judge ultimately mm -hmm. but that's where that whole profiting from it and it's supposed to be educational mm -hmm. <laughs> right right and, you know, the, the funny thing, too, is if, for example, I just wanted to bring it back to, like, the legality of, of the speech issue, um, the oft-quoted line of shouting fire in a crowded theater, how that is not allowed. It is allowed, actually. And the way the reason that that came about, it's very funny. A bunch of Yiddish-speaking socialists were handing out leaflets around the time of World War I to oppose the draft into the American army and warning the U.S. not to get involved in World War I. And they were arrested and they were jailed. And that's what uh, the Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes was referring to, shouting fire in a crowded theater. He was saying that what they were doing, their opposition to the war was dangerous. Um, and then later on, that was changed, obviously, because it, it's not a constitutional position to take that somebody is not allowed to oppose a war in this country of course they are yeah. so anyway that's some historical background you can you can oppose a war but uh, you can't threaten to murder people no you can't. <laughs> you cannot do that it's a big no-no no no you can't yeah so uh, and you guys can take me for example i have been i'm in court right now for much less significantly less um not even a threat and it but there's some states that have really silly laws on the books that uh, are anti-First Amendment. Um, but I know that once you like go into detail, because that's what I was told. I was threatened with a with the AR-15 by the same individual who went on that tirade. And the cop just said it's not specific enough. Mm -hmm. When, where, how. Right. Okay. Well, I know with the gun, but I don't know when, where, and how. She, that same individual described, you know, when, where, how the situation, how it was going to happen, who was going to be watching, mm -hmm. you know, that's pretty specific. Um, uh, the same thing has happened to me. I have been threatened quite specifically uh, by people, by a certain community. And no, it was not negs. And no, it was not negative nation. And no, it was not any of the players that one might think. It was by the Antionision community. And I received very, very, very specific threats of a violent nature, which I did report to the police. The police told me there's nothing that we can do because they're a government entity. They are not allowed to decide what is and is not illegal speech. The threat was not specific enough. They told me that there was nothing they could do. They wouldn't even take a report. Uh, and the, their suggestion to me was block the person and keep it moving. That was it. There was nothing, not only nothing that they could do, there was nothing that they were willing to do. Nothing. The, the police aren't going to do a whole lot unless it's rather specific, like somebody's going to kick in your door, and right? Put a gun in your what they say. <laughs> That's they can do something about that. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to. Uh, but um, it's going to be up to the state because, um, like, like you said, the, the government can't stop you from saying it, but the state can punish you for the fear that you instill. And I know that that type of speech in my state, and, and this is a red state, so you have to push things pretty far. But once you start involving firearms and direct threats, they're going to take it serious because we have constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, it is a right, but 
once you start breaking the law, it becomes a privilege. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, we all remember, well, those of us of a certain age or people who are music fans, we've been through the equivalent of like what rap battles mm -hmm. or bands dissing each other or bands threatening to commit violence on each other, bands using very um, like violent and combative language saying, I'm going to come and get you and blah, blah, blah. That is not a threat. Right. That's creative license. Correct. And this is a very important distinction as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, um, a state in this country is trying to, whether I don't know, somebody's trying to hold me accountable for a song I wrote, a song, one line from a song. I have creative license. That's already been established. <clears throat> um, like take Tupac's hit him up. Right. God, damn. Throw the towel. He went in hard, you know, and uh, did Tupac, did somebody, did, imagine a gangster going to the, the magistrate. <laughs> Tupac said he's going to fuck my wife. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Gangsters, fuck boy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There have been a lot of efforts made or there's been a lot of talk made about restricting what people should be allowed to speak about publicly uh, and whether there should be restrictions. In the 90s, there were speech codes on college campuses. Back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, when the ACLU actually cared about free speech, which they don't anymore, apparently. Uh, they are now on the side of restricting speech, which is something I never thought I would live to see. But anyway... Um, so, uh, but there are groups and it's not just on the right, it's coming largely from the left now of people who do want to restrict what people should and should not be able to say. And we saw this in some of the most grotesque forms, um, after the Charlie Hebdo shooting, mm -hmm. when there were people that I knew, people who were journalists, people who were photojournalists, people who were artists, who were basically suggesting that the cartoonists got what was coming to them. That if you continue to poke the bear and if you continue to offend a, a minority or whatever, that then if somebody comes for you and kills you, then that is your fault. Yikes. That is a very, very dangerous precedent. Very dangerous precedent. And the fact that it was coming from people in my line of work was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah, that's fucked. Yep. That's fucked. I mean, like, listen comedy should have no limits right all right creative license music art it should have no limits and we've there's always been figures in history who want to censor somebody and some of them do it in ways that are completely brutal and if you're if you're along if like if you think that somebody got what they deserved then um you should be side-eyed you know you're acting kind of sus so that means when and when the chips are down you would probably snitch on me and have me executed in the street Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's the type of people I don't want to be around. Um, um, anyway. <laughs> well, you know, and now what we're running into, the hilarity on Twitter with the parody accounts that are popping up that are costing companies a lot of money because these parody accounts are popping up for like Lockheed Martin and Pfizer and, and other Tesla. Um, Elon Musk was very grumpy when somebody made a parody account of him. But now these companies have shown that their stocks are tanking. They have lost millions, if not billions of dollars on the marketplace. And so they are taking exception to this. So again, I mean, if you want to run a multi-billion dollar company like a troll, then fine. But guess what's going to happen? <laughs> 
these companies are now pulling their advertising off of Twitter and they are very angry. And there is a hint that lawsuits are incoming. This is not a good plan. Okay. No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not heartbroken over a pharmaceutical company losing billions of dollars. I mean, they should, they should make insulin free, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Since the, uh, since, uh, our diets are basically the cause of why everybody's, uh, type two in it. So, um, well, as and, and Twitter, Twitter, this is kind of, to me, this is kind of like, this is long overdue. All these companies had no problem back in all these, these, these radical ideologues and, and, and these, uh, agendas that people were just kind of going along with. So they didn't get beaten ahead with a padlock and a sock. And now they're losing billions of dollars because people are finally able to truly have freedom of speech on that platform. And He'll, he'll he'll reel it in. He'll reel it in. You know what's scary to me, though? This is a conversation that Negs and I have had a, on a number of occasions, and I've mentioned this on my channel, and Negs has mentioned this on his channels as well, which is I don't know where um, the millennials and Gen Z got the idea that uh, words and violence are the same thing. And therefore, to counter offensive language or to counter ideas that you don't like with actual physical violence is justified. And we're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it all over the place. And it is absolutely terrifying. It's an extremely, extremely dangerous precedent when we cannot have the freedom to debate one another, but instead we have to counter with extreme violence or shutting people down instead of countering with some kind of a rational plan or rational idea, you know, coming back or retorting to an idea that you don't agree with by making an ad hominem attack, like you are a racist, you are a transphobe, you are an, uh, so, an anti-whatever, you are a blank fill-in-the-phobe, which shuts down the conversation, um, is not the way to go. And we see where that is led to in modern society. And I am not a fan. I'm not a fan of it, but, uh, if you look at this midterm, <clears throat> how everybody voted, that shows how divided everybody is. Um, there's still a lot of people like they, they said red wave is red trickle because there are some people still voting on ideas and policies mm -hmm. and not just orange man running again. Um, but you see how divided everybody is uh, just based on. I mean, like I was watching this election cycle and I, and I know people make smear ads, attack ads, smear campaigns and all that. It was brutal. It was like, what are your policies? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you running on? What are you running on? I support fracking. I don't support fracking. Uh, 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 gender affirmation. Uh, uh, you know, it's like, okay, okay. Twice. What is a twice convicted racist? What the fuck is that? What? How do you get convicted of racism? What Carrie, are you talking about? Carrie Lake was calling Katie Hobbs a twice convicted racist. Oh. Like, where does that come from? I Where's, missed that one. What she she's what she drop a hard R N word a couple times <laughs> at a party while drinking tequila? Is that how you get convicted of it? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> well, here's the thing: nothing works. Nothing gets voters to the polls like fear. Fear is what motivates people to vote. Obama was an exception with the hope stuff, but. When it comes down to it, the reason that the reason that ads, political ads are so negative is because they work. If they didn't work, we wouldn't see them. That's why they that's why they're so common. Oh, that's right. She fired somebody. She has an actual racial discrimination suit against her over uh, a former employee of her office or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw that, but like, what, what's I don't even know what the outcome of that is. So, listen, if you saw some of the racial discrimination cases that popped up at VOA, see, so that apparently y'all are yelling at the wrong people about racism. You'll be yelling at poor white people. You can go yell at them rich white motherfuckers up there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, about racism because we, we we're trying. Hey, we're all in this together. I just want you to know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes I know that this is going to be an incredibly controversial hot take. Sometimes you're just a shitty employee. <laughs> sometimes you just suck at your job. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to be part of, a, let's say, a class action suit where you end up getting awarded an enormous amount of money just because you happen to apply for a job in a certain time period where there was some sort of discrimination. Well, OK, fine. It happens. But whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have seen, I have seen racial discrimination cases that are absolutely unbelievable. And as a union rep, we had to entertain them. Yes. We had to, it was part of, it was part of what we had to do. Uh, but let's just say that there was a lot of talk in the union office about these cases and about whether they were winnable or unwinnable. And what I noticed was that the ones that were legitimate would not get very far. But the the illegitimate ones somehow would go all the way. It was crazy. It was, you I want to touch on what YouTube Reject mm -hmm. Live said in the chat here, and that was maybe the worker just sucked at their job and it didn't have to do with race. It's, see, that's another thing you can, another example you can look at where everything, it has to be race-related now because of the uh, the rhetoric and the, the saber-rattling of both political parties. Let's be real, there's only two. And... Mm -hmm. um, that's where it's at. It's like, oh, I was fired. So it must have been because I'm black. It must be because my name is Juan. It must be because I'm from China. It must be something like that because I'm over. Everybody thinks, listen, I know everybody wants to be special, but sometimes mm -hmm. you're just a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's 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 a scary time. It's a scary time, and it's weird that with the advent of social media where we have access to different types of ways of thinking at our fingertips, that we have become more intolerant than we have ever been. And we've also, I would argue, we've, we've become stupider than we've ever been. I, I don't understand how this is possible. We are walking around with these little, these little, you know, apparati in our pockets that have the wealth of knowledge of the Library of Congress, and yet we're incredibly stupid. I don't know how that happens, but it's an amazing phenomenon. Well, YouTube Reject Live says sometimes we are all equally pieces of shit. JK, I'm mm. not just kidding. No, <laughs> I just want to make that clear. I'm not kidding. <laughs> we're all not, we're all not special. Like I saw the beginning of the participation trophy generation. That mm -hmm. was my, those were my kids. Oh yeah. And uh, it may have been prior to that, but I remember mm -hmm. going to the soccer games and they were giving all the kids a, an award. And I said, what the fuck, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. What did they, what did he do? Mm -hmm. Like, this is my kid. What did he do? Did he do anything to earn that? No, everybody gets one. I'm like, what's the motivation? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't even keep score. Well, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of this thing? What are we teaching the kids? Mm -hmm. Communism is cool. You know, Man, get out of here. Well, that's the problem. When you, when you try to undermine competition that way, I mean, I understand you know, I understand what it was like to be picked last because you suck at sports or that you hated dodgeball because it was basically organized bullying. <laughs> I get that. But um, look, some of us are better at certain things than others are. That's just the way it goes. 
okay, I suck at certain things. I, I'm really bad at math. I would be a very bad, uh, any profession that involves math. I, I would never be an engineer. That's why I didn't go to college to study that. I know I suck at that. That's okay. I would never then go out and I would never sue to get into MIT and claim that I didn't get in because of my gender, my religion, my whatever, um, because I just, I'm not good enough. I, I, I understand that. Some of us are just not good enough for that kind of thing. When my uh, Kroger card gets rejected, I blame it on my race. <laughs> I do. I, I flop down on the floor and I scream, re it's because I'm what? And everybody looks at me and says, sir, get the fuck out of the middle of the floor, please. <laughs> um, math. I suck at math. I'm horrible at math. I could never be an accountant um, unless you want to be audited annually. <laughs> then you, then I'm your huckleberry. But yet people... Um, they, Beyond those sports, you know, uh, my kids eventually learned a competitive spirit. They both went into play uh, some degree of varsity athletics and they learned competition and, and sucking it up. Like how my son's baseball team won one game or no three games in four years. Bless their hearts. I think it may have been more than three games, but it wasn't much more than three games because I sat through a lot of those cold, rainy games with the wind blowing, watching my child's team get beat into a pulp <laughs> but they learn that's okay you just try it you live to fight another day competition is good you guys Sorry, competition I, I is really good i have a bit of trauma from sitting in the cold for four hours a baseball game is forever in the cold I'm just saying. that's true that's true <laughs> i hate baseball now with a passion well i hate sports period but well and sports have gotten a lot worse now with uh, certain 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 advances that have been made that I am not keen on, which is a, a topic for another day, I think. We need to talk about men and women's sports at some point. Okay, we'll do that for the next one. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's 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 sad to me that people are so threatened by language. It's really sad to me. Um, if you go back and you look at what newspapers used to publish in the 1700s in this country and the way that they would ruthlessly and brutally attack politicians and the way that these newspapers were organs of political parties in a very open, blatant way. Uh, and somehow we survived as a society and we evolved and we changed. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Um, but, you know, it's. It's really sad to me that people are so frightened and threatened by what people say. It's it's really disturbing, you know. Um, and you see this. I mean, look. It, for example, in a newsroom, there are all kinds of different rules about what is and is not acceptable. And so, for example, when you are broadcasting into a foreign country, there idea of what is acceptable viewing on television may be very, very different. So, for example, in certain countries, you can run uh, the aftermath of a genocide. You can run mass graves. You can run extremely confrontational and disturbing footage. But the Americans who are making the decisions in an American newsroom will use American standards to say, well, no, we can't run 
I mean, in, you know, recent example, Ukraine, the mass graves that were being found in Ukraine, for example, uh, or across the continent of Africa, we would be very sensitive because, again, we were using American standards, but not taking into account that in these countries, this is standard viewing because it's part of life and people understand that it is part of life. There was a demonstration in Nigeria, in a um, province of Nigeria, not so long ago, where there was a massacre and the townspeople were demanding justice for the victims. And they took the bodies of the victims, they carried them to the local legislature and they dumped the corpses in front of the building. And so this is the kind of thing that does happen. Now, we can pretend it doesn't happen, but it does happen. So again, you know, we we use our judgment based on our squeamishness. But we also need to acknowledge that there are places where this kind of thing is understood to happen and they want to see it because it's reality, it's part of life. Now you could never do that in this country. You know. No, there's laws against dumping bodies <laughs> on the front step of a legislator. Yeah. So I want, I want to address the Gen mm -hmm. X thing. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah Christina, we, we are Gen X. And mm -hmm. I know when I grew up, mm -hmm. when somebody made a threat, it usually was followed up with violence. Um, so um, the only time I was ever afraid of words is when somebody said, I'm going to whoop your ass. Because mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get my ass whooped. Right. So, uh, you know, but like going out and calling somebody a big dummy, big banana nose, goofy, stupid, low cow. Okay. Nah. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. Mm-hmm. Gen X, we were we were thrown to the wolves. Yep, and expected to come home. I mean, seriously, I'd leave my house, and they didn't know if I was alive until I came home. Right. <laughs> I can't like my kid leaves. He doesn't even leave really, but if he does go somewhere, he's got a phone, and I'm gonna be like every call me every hour. And maybe that's just because the world is different. But Negs is a helicopter parent. Maybe. <laughs> I gotta keep him away from the dope. <laughs> and the, the dope, the dope, <laughs> the assholes. <laughs> yeah, times were different, you know. I mean, I'd get on my little mountain bike or my BMX mm -hmm. and ride five miles from home. Go be playing in the river, nearly drown a few times, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, get beat up, and not even tell your parents. Just come home and get up and do it again the next day. It's no wonder we're all fucked up. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're pretty amazing, though. I mean, I would go out with my boxer. I would go out for hours and we would just do whatever the hell we wanted to do. I guess my parents thought that I was okay because I was with the dog. But now it's like, you know, it's really sad. Like I don't, I don't see in any of the neighborhoods that I've lived in, in DC, I don't see kids playing outside anymore. You, don't see that you know, either. you don't No, no. If you see, like, I remember uh, during the summer, uh, that say the kids you see, they're the, it's the same kids. It's the same. There's the same four kids in my neighborhood. Cause they, mm -hmm. uh, had, uh, helped me get the pizza delivery driver's attention one day. <laughs> it was really cool of them. Cause I was super hangry as fuck. And the, in the day of GPS, in the days of GPS, this pizza delivery driver's like, and I'm on the porch and she goes down in the road. I was checking all the houses. Why'd you check your GPS? Anyway, these kids, God bless them ran that woman down on her their mountain bikes and drug her back up to my house so but there's barely any kids out anymore mm -hmm. so i mean i don't know if they're figuring out their gender or what but like, <laughs> it's time to come outside it really is <laughs> it's time to touch grass kids all right TikTok is aids get off of it <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, we were always up to mischief. We were always rolling mm-hmm. up random dried grass and leaves before we could get cigarettes and smoking those. Somebody always had a dirty magazine. And I can't imagine like now with the fucking God with phones. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish we had this technology when I was a kid because we would have uh, we would have either used it. We probably would have used it for profit for sure, because we were always doing something that was skirting the law. Mm-hmm. And it would have been funny as hell. We'd had multiple viral videos. We missed out. Do you think, Megs, do you think that there should be a limit on what people can and cannot say? I don't think you should be able to threaten people and put them in fear of their life, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what they do. Um, There's a process for that. If somebody does something to you like, takes down your channels, uh, you don't threaten to shoot them. You just tell them to go fuck themselves and move on with your life because you can't murder people over that. And you can't go around making people feel uncomfortable in their daily lives just because you're um, uh, feeling a certain way. But I, I, this is this is a slippery slope because um, I don't ever want the government to, to inter- intervene and tell me what I can and cannot say. But I also think that if you are using your language for for evil, then it should be recognized and you should be punished accordingly. Like if you say a bunch of stuff like that woman did the other day and somebody else goes and hurts this person. Right. Then you should be held uh, uh, accountable to some degree in that because you incited it. But that's why laws like harassment and uh, intimidation and incitement exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't remove accountability for your uh, Mm -hmm. for your words. Right. 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 But 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 countering words with violence is it's not proportionate. No, no, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Making threats um, and by threats, I mean, tangible threats, not because you write a diss track, not because you write a song, not because you do something like that. But when you say I am going to do X, Y, Z in the following manner no 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 that's that's a totally different kettle of right fish. yeah i mean like i said in, in if you have creative license you have creative license go listen to i i just we just wrote a song i just wrote a song the other day and produced a song it's completely about murder am i going to go to prison now because i was creative and wrote a catchy song about murder no no because it's been happening for years and decades and 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 it's it's part of hip-hop culture <laughs> to be honest with you with violence and misogyny and stuff mm-hmm. so um and, and 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 there are instances even in with these people that have creative license where they're making legit threats that get followed up they follow through with them and then then they are, that song is taken to court and they are held accountable i've seen that happen where the creative license is thrown out once you say you're going to go to o block and open up and then o blocks open up somebody dies then you're they then they could use your creative license against you mm-hmm when did that happen? It's I, I, there are several instances of these songs being admitted as evidence oh, okay. with the inner city gang violence. Okay. But there's so many shootings, but just pick one, throw a dart. That one, mm-hmm. you know, because uh there's a whole culture that's bred in the inner city where people are just slaughtering one another over words <laughs> on Instagram and the internet and doing it's just such a waste of human life. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if I go and write a song about committing a crime and then that crime then i commit that crime then they can use that against you okay so here is another question for you speaking of songs and violence and all that it's a cart before the horse question so i think it was um it was either nwa or public enemy 
that was referred to as the CNN of the inner city. And so are they, are they broadcasting or are they rapping about stuff that is happening or are they part of creating a culture of violence? Oh, I believe that it started out rapping about what was happening to now that's all that is happening. Mm -hmm. And I honestly believe that when, you know, the rise of gangster rap in the nineties um, had a negative influence on the inner cities because the, the gang violence and the, the severity of gang violence <clears throat> has, has increased in such a degree in a short period of time in 40 years. Mm -hmm. And most of it about revolves around hip hop culture you know, money, uh, material possessions, women, drugs, you know, I mean, there's, but when, if that's what you grow up around and that's all, you know, then that's what, you know, it's like people, like kids who grew up around the Italian mafia. That's what they were ushered into. The reason I ask is because, um, I mean, what you guys experienced here in the Midwest with fentanyl mm -hmm. was what we experienced in the inner cities or the big cities with crack in the 1980s. And in that case, you had people dealing, you know, slinging rock uh, who would never in a million years be able to make that kind of money doing anything else. Never. And so when you have that kind of money floating around, uh, you are going to have violence attached to it. Yeah. It is a violent, violent way to make a living. So I would wonder, well, were those groups just singing or rapping about what they observed on a daily basis um or were they creating part of the problem um i mean i can tell you that you know grow well not growing up but living in neighborhoods that were really crappy in the 80s because they were the only places i could afford to live at the time uh you know where you would walk down the street and you would crunch the empty crack vials or you would you know kick the empty syringes out of the way or whatever and you had the gangs running the neighborhood and they were kids. They were teenagers where the oldest ones were maybe in their early 20s. Um, this was a reality of life in these cities. And so, OK, so NWA and public enemies singing about police, you know, police violence or police harassment or drugs or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. Um, but it's true that that genre of music took a really ugly turn from the 1980s where it was kind of fun, where you had Run DMC and Houdini and, you know, sweet kind of clean bands like that. And then they took a dramatic political turn by the time you were coming of age in the 90s. Totally changed. And the, and the violence of the gangs uh, increased majorly in the late 80s and the 90s. I mean, that's where we got this culture now, a culture of murder. That's why it's it's so it's so just like like you were talking about. It's just par for the course for people to get shot and have funerals all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that some places. It's not normal here, but like like you said, you know, what's normal to the uh to the spider is chaos to the fly. So or what's chaos to the fly is normal to the spider, mm -hmm. rather. Um but I would have to say that all, all of these rappers, they're all just perpetuating an issue that needs to be addressed if they really want to have a, a better future. But it's going to take it's going to take decades to fix it because it's just, it's it's cultural at this point. And how do you change a culture that is ever evolving to become more violent and desperate? What YouTube reject says here. I mean, this is something that we saw, too, uh, yeah. when she says, then you get suburban kids wanting to act tough. This happened uh, in D.C. with heroin, uh, when heroin started to get to be a big thing again. Um, and you had 
kids from the suburbs coming into the city and the guys who were junkies were like catnip for these, you know, suburban teenage girls. And so these girls would get shaken down a lot by the junkies um, and used a lot by the junkies for money and for, you know, a place to crash and food and whatever else, because there was a tremendous glamour attached to being a drug addict. I mean, this is just the way it was mm -hmm. in, in the eighties. It was very, very glamorous. You know, because the guys had that look that we all loved. They were really skinny and really pale with the black hair, and they looked like rock stars. And it was really appealing, but they were also really dangerous, you know, because they were around a dangerous drug. Uh, a lot of them were sharing needles, and it was just a dangerous group of people to be around, you know? Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, even in the '90s, uh, heroin heroin was romanticized to us mm -hmm. in, in in the Midwest because all of our heroes were doing it. Right, Kurt Cobain, uh, Lane Staley, fucking Shannon Holmes on all kinds of drugs. All these people that we knew, and then hell, I grew up with Guns and Roses. They were, yeah. So everybody, all my heroes were on dope. Mm -hmm. I never shot dope, mm -hmm. but uh, it was romanticized. It seemed cool. I remember people wanting to do heroin because. You know, Kirk Cobain was a junkie. I'm right. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people wanted to do heroin in D.C., but it was a question of where you would get it. And having to mix with the scumbags who could provide it was not really appealing if you were a very cowardly person by nature. And also, you have to learn how to shoot it up if you don't want to chase the drag. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like a whole thing. But yeah, it was super glamorized. And a lot of us wanted to try it. And a lot of us, like myself, I never tried it because nobody would get it from me. And I was too scared to go to the open air drug bar drug market. And there's I knew there was no way I'd ever be able to inject it. And the fucking junkies wouldn't get it from me. Because they were like, no, we don't want you to get wrapped up in this lifestyle. They were junkies with the heart of gold, which was very cool. But it was very, very appealing. It was very appealing. And the fashion industry jumped in, you know, with heroin chic and with having models that were skinnier and skinnier with the hollow eyes and the really spindly legs and arms. And it was it was hugely glamorized. And to say that it wasn't is a lie. True. And like now they glamorize having a gun and type two. Get on that runway. Model that trash bag. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was, yeah, heroin was all over the 90s music scene, Jana. It was. Um, and those of us who were coming of age in the 80s inherited all those bands from the 70s, you know, and we inherited, you know, Lou Reed and we inherited Iggy Pop and we inherited all those guys who were open about their drug addiction and sang about it and glamorized it and glorified it. And we loved it. We loved it. I mean, listen, I remember being a teenager, you know, being in high school and learning about the 27 club and thinking, oh, well, you know, so Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin died when they were 27. Well, that's old enough. You know, they lived long enough. They were old. They were plenty old. I guess it was their time. No, not really. Um, but sure, it was something that a lot of us were really drawn to, but not all of us got a chance to dabble in, thank God. No, I did my thing and left after I had kids. I, well, you know, I party for a while, but I was never, you know, banging dope and <laughs> risking my life for a buzz. But really, uh, what Juliana, Juliana uh, Colombo in the chat, uh, when during the opioid crisis, right. uh, that's when heroin swept into town, people were dying in mm -hmm. mass 
Mm -hmm. I can't count the number of people I know that are dead because they went from pain pills to heroin to accidentally getting fentanyl or intentionally getting fentanyl. Right. So it's been a sad thing. Yeah, that's something I see on intervention all the time where somebody starts off getting a prescription for something. They run out. The pills are scarce. They can't get a hold of them or they're too expensive. And it's just easier to graduate to smack and then you're addicted and that's the end of the story. Yeah, because it's everywhere. Right. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Right, TikTok? Now that you're 37, you can't believe that you're 10 years older than the than the 27 Club. I'm 30 years older than the 27 Club. And I still can't believe that I, at that time, well, I was a kid. I was like 16. So to me, 27 was like, you were practically Methuselah. You were so old, you know? <laughs> really? <laughs> mm -hmm. I know. I know. So tell me about this. Let's let's talk about comedy. Mm -hmm. Limits? No? No, no limits on comedy. Because mm -hmm. comedy, if it offends you and you don't find it funny, go listen to something else. It has no impact on you. It has no effect on you. And I've not seen a comedian have such a major impact that a whole society has been put into an upheaval and, and, and become bigoted towards an entire race of people over one comedian or comedians. Because comedians tend to keep each other in check. If somebody gets two races, they get blacklisted. Uh, but I don't think there should be any uh, limits on comedy. Um we should be able to point out our flaws, even if they are stereotypes, because they still exist and make each other laugh. And if we can't make fun of each other, then what the fuck are we doing? We're just going to be offended, killing each other till the end of time. Stupid. You know, what's sad, though, is when I look at my idols and I look at their old material. So I look at George Carlin or I look at Chris Rock and I think these guys they wouldn't be able to make it now if they were getting started now. Now they're legends right. or George Carlin's dead. But, you know, if he were still alive, he was a legend when he died. Um, and you would not be able to get away with what they've gotten away with. And as a matter of fact, Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld both said long time ago, like 10, 15 years ago, that they would never, ever, ever accept a gig on a college campus because they don't want to deal with the bullshit. Right. Yeah. You know? Pussies. And Dave Chappelle, I don't know if you heard this story, but Dave Chappelle went to Duke Ellington High School in D.C. Uh, and he gave a speech in front of the kids. And this was right after the whole transgender blow up on Netflix. And the kids were confronting him about what he had said. And they were all getting all huffy and up in arms. And he basically told the kids to go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, little bastard. <laughs> the fuck are you? Barely, you're barely through puberty. You don't tell me about myself. Get out of here. But there are very, very few people. I mean, Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais are two people I can think of off the top of my head who are completely and totally free, you know? And obviously a lot of that has to do with money, the fact that they're insulated because of their fame and their wealth and their Netflix contracts and all of that kind of stuff. But they won't bend to any societal norms. And I absolutely, that's why I love them so much. That's why they're so great. Me either. <laughs> it's, I just, I have a different type of legend. I'm a legend on the underground. I don't have money insulation like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> but yeah, this is the thing for all the people who are listening. This is comedy, you guys, that we're talking about. It's comedy. It's funny. If you don't think it's funny, that doesn't mean it's a crime. It doesn't mean that you go with, with pitchforks and torches to go kill the guy. Yeah. It means that you don't think it's funny, and that is okay. 
that's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I need to go to the store and get something for dinner. For all us. right. Okay. So, um, should we end it here? Sure. That seems like a good spot since we've got comedy is a good punctuation point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, guys, we are not really on a schedule except weekly. So bear with us. Uh, once th- these will be uploaded to the Attic Podcast YouTube channel, which I assume is in the description. And if not, it will be. And uh, once we get a, maybe another episode, we'll start doing the lives over there. We just want to get people over there. And then right. and then uh, I will depart from the DC Media Girl channel. I'm over to my own corner of the web. And see, this is the thing you guys have to understand. These are the conversations that Negs and I have off camera. So they are going to be disorganized. They're going to be rambling. And we don't care. Okay. These are not educational podcasts. These are conversational podcasts. These are supposed to be fun and interesting and spark conversations, you know, in your house or whatever it is that you want to talk about. But this is how Negs and I talk to each other. So, um, and we love it. Yeah. The end. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week.